Speak Your Mind podcast, where we talk about controversial topics that others might be too afraid to talk about themselves. Tonight, we've got Dave and Mike again. And of course, we are equal opportunity alcohol drinkers. So if you want to join us, go ahead and pull up some, some nice smoky whiskey, and let's have a good time. This is Dave, and... What we're going to be talking about today is our infrastructure bill. But before we get into that, just uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us at speakyourmind@protonmail.com. That's S-P-K, your mind at protonmail.com. And just a quick note, many of the views that we discussed tonight are um, from our hosts, but there's many that our hosts are representing, again, that others may be afraid to talk about. So uh, keep that in mind as we go through this. So the infrastructure bill is going to be our main topic, and then we're going to have a short segment on the latest media and news misreporting, and then we'll close with our famous Saint Ain't So Joe, also known as WTF Joe. What the F, Joe? And regarding the infrastructure bill, some of the questions that we'll try to address tonight include, you know, what's in the bill and what is the cost? Just kind of a high-level uh, view and then, no, is the bill really infrastructure? What are the job implications? What are the possible tax impacts for corporations and individuals? Are there better ways to solve some of the things that are in the bill? And lastly, what are the polls saying? In fact, I'm going to start with the last item first. I'm going to talk about what the polls are saying, and then we'll back into the bill. So this is from a CBS poll done in April, and it's basically stating nationwide there's about a 58% approval rating for the infrastructure proposal. It includes about 90% of Democrats and 50%, 57% of majority of independents, 19% of the Republicans, and most people of color uh, agree to the plan. And then white Americans are kind of split, kind of evenly uh, divided by partisanship and ideology. And I would ask the viewers and the people taking these polls to maybe do their own research don't take President Biden or the media at face value. A lot of the information that you need to know is not what the news and the media are reporting or what Joe Biden is telling you. And there's important details, and we're going to talk about those here in a minute, that people should understand before they just go and take these polls and say they agree with them. That's right. You need to understand everything is filtered. Yeah, everything so, that comes to you is filtered. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's... More of the same good old-fashioned gaslighting that's been going on now for at least since Trump got into office. And, um, you know, there's a lot of spending that government wants to do that's, that, unfortunately, if they were to take a harder look under the cover, there's enough inefficiencies in the government where they could probably save money on other things that they're spending money on and use that to help pay for some of the brighter spots in the bill versus versus just taxing corporations and people more. So let's go into some of the details. So just a high-level view of what the bill is and the associated costs. There's about $621 billion that's going into transportation infrastructure, such as bridges, roads, ports, airports, and also in there's some, some electric vehicle development. In fact, there's about $174 billion on electric vehicles. Um, there's another $115 billion for fixing roads and bridges. And then another $165 billion for modernizing the transit systems. And then the second big point of the bill is $650 billion for quality of life at home. And one could argue, even on that point, whether that 
this infrastructure or not. But just to take a little further, deeper look into that, that's focusing on American homes, school buildings, underground water infrastructure, and broadband expansion. And that's about $213 billion for retrofitting 2 million affordable homes and commercial buildings. There's another $40 billion to improve public housing, about $110 billion for, uh, towards clean drinking water, including replacement of lead pipes. Uh, another $100 billion for schools, which is another uh, interesting topic in itself, given that we've already given schools a lot of money. Ridiculous. Yeah. $100 billion in high-speed broadband network capacity through the country, and you know, one could argue that is a, a good point for infrastructure. I think it's something important to have good communications throughout, throughout are, the USA. There are at least parts of that that yeah. sound good. Right. So there's there's some good things, but I mean the main you know 650 billion is, is questionable, and then you know and just a quick note like in terms of retrofitting homes and improving public housing, I mean I'm not sure why the government's getting into that business. It seems to me that states could you know leave that up to themselves and and uh, come to their own conclusion on what kind of houses they need. In fact, if you look at the finer printing in the bill. The government wants to actually control the zoning of the public housing, which um, to me is a bit concerning. It takes a lot of things away from the local individuals in the counties and states. It takes power away from the states, which was not the point of federalism. Um, And back to the states, they're the ones that put the infrastructure in. Why can't they fix it? Yeah. In fact, you know, what happened to good old fashioned, you know, counties and states raising, you know, creating bonds, right? And doing public and private partnerships to do some of this stuff. But anyway, we'll we'll table that for a second. But that's again the second big item: six hundred fifty billion for quality of life at home. Next big ticket item: this one's even more probably controversial: four hundred billion for caregivers for elderly people with disabilities. You know, again, at the first blush, doesn't seem to be infrastructure. Uh, the money is going to be used to improve access to quality, affordable home or community-based care for elderly people. Expand the Medicaid program. And then boost pay for care workers who are disproportionately, typically women of color and typically earn about 12 bucks an hour. And, and again, this is just a couple of points on it is, you know, why are we, why is the government getting into the wage business? Sounds like a state issue. I would think it's even down to a county issue. I mean, just look here and we're in California and you can look at the Bay Area, then you can go look at Stanislaus County, right? I mean, cost of living is drastically different and son making 15, 20 bucks an hour here, um, that would be, you know, a tremendous uplift to somebody living in Stanislaus County to a point like, you know, does that even make sense? That's a good point, Dave. You don't have to go very far to have a totally different experience of life in California. You don't have to cross the border to get a different experience. Exactly. And the last big ticket item is $480 billion for research, development, and manufacturing. Again, one could argue that's not infrastructure. Uh, about $300 billion for investing in manufacturing, supporting domestic production of technologies and critical goods, some money going towards semiconductor manufacturing and research. Then another $180 billion on new research development with an emphasis on clean energy. And then about $100 billion of that's for worker training and increased uh, worker protection systems. Again, that is very debatable. But when you add all that money up, and you've probably seen a lot of this already on the news, about $2.2 trillion over eight years. And just uh, as a point of reference, this information was uh, researched and, and uh, found from USA Today and CNBC. 
let's understand and take a look at what the job impacts are to to this plan because I think Governor President Biden is touting that you create lots and lots of jobs, and I'll give you some specific numbers on that in a moment. But uh, here's a couple of interesting reports that I researched, and these are reports from two different groups, and they were done, one during the Trump era, then one more recently during Biden's recent administration. So the first one's from the Boston Consulting Group. It's a working paper from March 2017. And basically, uh, when Trump had his his infrastructure plan, the study basically said, if planners direct these investments or projects on the basis of job creation, there's an opportunity to create about 2.9 or so more incremental jobs. And then Georgetown University study in 2017, they also had um, an interesting set of numbers. They came up with 11 million jobs over the next 10 years. Um, their breakout was 6.4, creating 6.4 missing jobs that were not created as, as a great as a result of the Great Recession uh, of 2007 through 2009, which is um, not sure sure why that's being referenced. That was 10 years ago. I don't even know if that's relevant, but a little while ago. Yeah, I think so. Um, maybe people probably didn't remember it. And then another five million more jobs in related industries created as a result of stimulus effect of new infrastructure. Now, what's interesting in both of these studies, they don't address job growth that's, you know, that comes naturally through the growth of the economy, or also known as organic job growth or natural job growth. So now let's look at, fast forward to to the recent studies under the Biden administration. Again, the first one uh, is the Georgetown study, so it's been updated now. So in the Georgetown University study that was done recently, the infrastructure plan that Joe would like to have passed, would create 15 million jobs over 10 years. So before it was 11, not too long ago, three and a half years ago, now it's 15. And to clarify, Dave, this is these are the same studies, just updated yes. over time. So well, it's, it's not Georgetown like, University, yep. Yeah, so it's not a new a new study that came out that, that has some wonder you know, drug injected into it. This is the same study Reportedly, under, under new context. All I, all I would say, Georgetown published... 2017 one, and they published a new one, and it was updated to reflect current time. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see what the numbers came out to be. Yep. Um, and then they also, in the Georgetown University study, they, they also state it's tempor- temporarily reviving the blue-collar economy, which <laughs> I'm not sure what the temporarily is all about. Yeah, what and, does that mean? Well, I'm not sure, but what's interesting, I think the blue-collar economy was doing just fine pre-COVID. It was doing just fine pre-COVID. There were, there was massive growth. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure where they're coming from. They don't really elaborate. Um, the study said um, study said added, added saving jobs. Again, the, the wording is a bit peculiar. I'm not sure what the saving stuff is. I think if they opened the economy... Um, now would save a lot of jobs and create a lot of jobs, and they could do that for a hell of a lot less than, than a trillion dollars. It wouldn't even really need to – it's not even creating jobs at this point. It's allowing people to live just, right. and work. Sure. Yeah. They don't They don't need to create jobs. They just need to get their boot off of people's necks. Exactly. And the other thing, again, they did not address the job creation through organic, organic growth. So, so let's look at another – 
set of stats. This is um, from Bloomberg, April 2021. And Biden was claiming 18.9 million jobs over the next decade. And where he got that information was from Moody's Analytics. This is my favorite one, Dave. Yeah, this is another another good one. So here's now now we went from 11 million in the Trump era to 15 million in the Georgetown study to now 18 million. So it's going up. Um, interesting pattern to see how these studies seem to get more favorable by the minute. Uh, the report found that this is the Moody's Analytic. The report found that the U.S. would add about 16.3 million jobs between natural job growth and the passage of the 1.9 trillion corona stimulus legislation alone. So at least this one is is starting to indicate or talk about the natural job growth. Um, and if you look at it even further, uh, that suggests that the president's new infrastructure package alone would be responsible for about 2.6 million new jobs over 10 years, which is close to what the Boston Consulting Group study said back in 2017, which was 2.9 million. So, yeah, so so, when you take that organic growth, the, the ability of people to go to work without the government telling them they can't, mm-hmm. I guess he's not really increasing jobs that much. No. Shocker. Yeah. So it's, it's, so the bottom line, if you distill it all down, it looks like, and this is just from these studies, for every about a trillion dollars of, of truly infrastructure, Jobs, creating jobs around infrastructure is about 2.5 million-ish jobs, which isn't bad. That's cool. Over 10 years, though. It's spread out over time, yeah. But if you can fast forward the infrastructure projects, if you get rid of some of their regulation and red tape, you could fast forward some of those jobs. Fat chance. Not, not with this administration. Um, but guess what? The opening economy now is still the fastest, most cost of way of getting people back to work. And then if you also look at that bill, and it was $2.2 trillion, um, only about $600 billion was really infrastructure, right? The rest was um, controversial at best of, of um, well, I would call it, it's not infrastructure at all. That's a good point, Dave. So, so what you're saying is that, we would get 2.5 million ish per trillion spent for actual infrastructure, literal Correct. infrastructure. Correct. However, we're only spending 600 billion ish right. on actual infrastructure, so we're not we're not even going to see 2.5 million. Yeah, if you really look at it, at what the data says, that's one interpretation. But I would argue there's probably parts, bits and pieces in those other. Parts of the bill that one could add on, um, you know, maybe the R&D stuff to help, you know, it's not really infrastructure, but it might be good for the country. Yeah, right. And could still help create jobs. So there's some fudge factor. But I, I think the rule of thumb from what I've seen in these studies, about a trillion dollars equals 2.5 million new jobs. So let's look at how we're going to pay for this, right? And it boils down to taxes. And Biden wants to basically hit the corporations and also hit the, you know, million or more people that make, you know, more than 400K, I guess. So in Joe's terms, anyone making less than 400K will not see a tax increase. And so far, that's been fairly steady and holding true, with the exception of if you're married and you're filing as a single, then if you made less than 400K, you will get hit. Uh, The cap of 
a married filing single is 509k. So if I made 300k and my wife made 300k, um, that's 600k. So I'm over the 509. So I would be paying for on uh, the 94 million, 94k. Excuse me. And and for accuracy, Dave, I think his words were: if you make less than 400,000, you won't pay a penny in right. taxes. Right. Which I'm all for. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if that uh, see if that comes true. I vote for that don't hold every your, day. Don't hold your breath. But the bigger one that, or not the bigger one, but I think one that's as it probably is more impactful to most Americans and people, absolutely not making 400k or or the increased stepped up basis on inherited property. So today, if you were doing get a, if your your parents died or whatever and you inherited a home, the home would be revalued at the current price. So, for instance, if the home was initially purchased at five hundred thousand, and now is worth a million, the home would be revalued at a million. So, when you inherit it, your cost basis is zero. Now, what Biden wants to do is eliminate that, and then tax you for any gain that's over a million bucks. Well, here in California, you know, homes a million dollar home is nothing. Dave, my house is almost a million, and it's literally nothing. It's a shanty. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, this is one that, if, again, I hope people that are listening to our show do the research. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. Look hard at these bills and what's going into them because it is impacting you. It's going to impact you. It's going to impact your kids. So you need to think twice and really don't just take the media and Biden's words at face value. And you know, a lot of people don't think, I would say people who don't make a ton of money or aren't used to their family making a ton of money probably don't really think about it. But the house that your parents own is probably the most expensive, extravagant expense they've ever had and you will ever have. So the property is really all your, like for a lot of people, property is the only thing they're getting. It's right? the like only way to pass on, in many cases, it's the only way of passing on family wealth. That's what I'm saying. They don't have a trust with millions of dollars right. in it. They have a house. That's it. It's property. Every, you know, if you have something coming to you, right. it's most likely a house, right. which means everybody is going to get hit in some capacity. It's not only the rich. Mm-hmm. It's everybody. Yeah. So it's, it's sad. You're trying to... You know, you're you're really dinging people. You know, a lot of middle Americans, a lot of people that worked hard uh, to build wealth, and that only that only asset now is going to be potentially taxed. So let's switch to, to gears to the corporate tax. Biden's administration has new tax rate. He wants to basically try to get it to twenty eight percent. You know, currently it's twenty one percent. When Trump Trump dropped it down from thirty five percent and twenty eight percent, the average tax in the world is around 25%. So that's 3% premium. So just put that in a little bit of perspective. And then something probably more concerning is establishment of a global minimum tax for multinational corporations to ensure that they pay at least 21% in taxes in any country. So what, what they're trying to do here is if you have a business in Ireland, you're only getting taxed 10%, you're going to have to pay that other 11% in taxes. So basically what Biden administration is doing is trying to get other countries to buy into this program. And I think that's really going to take away from corporations' ability to really grow the business and and create jobs and innovation. It's just another way of just 
you know, taking money and building big government. It's, it's a not, competition. It's not about, it's not about capital, capitalism at all. It's a competition killer. It's, it's not about capitalism or anything else, any kind of ism. Right. It's killing competition so that there's nowhere for these people to go. Yeah, and guess, guess what? It's, if you do that, China's going to eat our lunch. They don't have these issues. At this point, they, they already are. They're starting to. Yeah, yeah. and then, you know, here's, here's a good one. So Janet Yellen, right, our new Treasury Secretary, in a speech indicated, you know, she thinks the global minimum tax is an end to the 30-year race to the bottom of the corporate tax rates. And she's serious? And she all goes on to state, competitiveness is about more than how U.S. headquarter companies fare against other companies in global merger and acquisition bids. It's about making sure that governments have stable tax systems that raise sufficient revenue to invest in essential public goods and respond to crisis that all citizens fairly share the burden of a financing government. I would. <laughs> so, so at the end, it's still about all citizens paying more. It's never about just the rich. All citizens paying more. It's right there. It's plain as day. You know, so, so a couple of things. Will the 28% keep U.S. companies from moving overseas? Well, maybe if the global tax is in there, possibly. Um, and why does the government feel the need to always increase taxes? Because everybody loses, even the government in some cases. Corporations will raise their prices and they'll pass taxes on to the consumer. And guess what? They're not going to hire as many people. They're in a way to make their businesses more efficient. So guess what? At the end of the day, government may not be getting as much money. So it's not, you know, then they would be all be paying for more, for more goods and services. Well, that's the, that's the argument, right? The real argument here is quantity versus, I want, uh, you know, it's usually versus quality, but I don't know how quality some of these richer people are. But the idea is if you tax more people at a lower rate, the net will be higher than taxing very few people at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. It's basic math. Right. It's super basic. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that the government thinks they can spend money better to create more jobs than corporations. And at the end of the day, Dave, they aren't actually creating a damn thing. The corporations are still the ones hiring the people. At the end of the day, the corporations, small business, are the ones hiring people in They're America. They're still the people that provide the damn jobs. Right. So just kind of along that same line, so how about the government not wasting our taxpayer dollars on non-essential items like paying off those who got them, you know, got them into public office or sending monies to companies like Iran. Remember that $1.7 billion payment they made to Iran? Yep. And now they want to do it again. And, and guess guess what? Hamas, right? Guess where they get their missiles from? They get everything from them. They get it from Iran. I just heard that there was a drone flying over Israel that was literally an Iranian-funded drone. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Here we are, and, you know, this is another new topic, right? And here we are getting ready to spend more money or give more money to Iran. I mean, they are the number one terrorist country against the U.S. And here we are giving them funds. Um, brilliant. Right back right back to where we were during the Obama era. Uh, but let's keep on going on this topic. So let's, here's, here's some more, uh, here's some more, some factoids. So legislators packed about 12 spending bills that funded federal government with pork. Um, here's some examples, and this is actually during the Trump era, so this isn't necessarily a Democratic Republican. They all do it. Thing they all do it, but here's here's 
Here's an example for the 2017 to 2019 period where federal agencies awarded close to 2 million grants, totaling $2.3 trillion. And let's look at where some of this money went. And then again, this is where you people out there listening need to research this stuff. Taxpayers funded story, excuse me, paid for hookers for Jesus, 530,000. I kid you not. I'm not making this up. Tai Chi classes and senior centers, 671,000. Creating outdoor gardens, 1.6 million. Space alien detection, 7 million. How, how can you spend $671,000 on Tai Chi classes for seniors? I, like how much are the instructors making? I don't know, but what's the, right the government doing this for? Well, here, let me go on. There's more. It gets better. Taxpayers funded story time at laundromats, $248,000. Sex education for prostitutes in Ethiopia, $2.1 million. A social media war on tanning beds, $3.3 million. Web live stream eclipses, $3.7 million. Martha's Vineyard airport subsidy, $12 million. Doesn't Obama live there? Yes, he does. I think I think he can foot that bill. I would think he can do that without a problem. And here's the biggest, another big thing that people should realize: the eight Ivy League schools receive received, excuse me, during this period, nine point eight billion in federal grants, despite having a collective endowment of one hundred forty billion dollars, which was up twenty billion since twenty sixteen. Literally, the returns on their endowment, which is entirely invested, I'm sure, could pay for everybody's tuition. And why, why, you know, I know they probably set up as nonprofits, but guess what? Go tap into that. Get some money from those guys. Definitely. Get the kids release on their, exactly, Mike, give them, give them some relief on their uh, their tuition payments, right? They could give everybody full-ride scholarships. Sure. Here, here, Every you know, single year. And Joe, Joe wants to use taxpayer dollars to create free school. Well, Christ almighty, there's already money here to do that. It exists. It exists. So here's another beautiful one. Amtrak received $5 billion in federal grants. And guess what Amtrak's revenues were between 2017 and 2019? $10.2 billion. They got $5 billion. That's half of their, all their revenues in that period. I wonder if, if they're uh, in the black. <laughs> I doubt you it. You know, I doubt it. And we can Bart's go, not. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So we can go on and on with this. And, and, and source of this information, by the way, is Forbes. So how about taking some of that grant money, that $2.3 trillion in grant money, and putting it toward true infrastructure, right? He was looking for $2.3 trillion. We gave $2.3 trillion in, in bull stuff, bullshit. When we redirect that money, that would help pay for the infrastructure bill. You know, it's basically time for Eric to take a hard look and ask and have a say of where taxpayer dollars go. You know, get rid of the waste. There's so much inefficiency and so much wasteful spending it's there, people. Look it up and start speaking up. It's a joke. I wonder I wonder how much of that money ends up going to uh, administrators and lobbyists and the bureaucratic side of crap, you know, where they really don't do anything. They don't really produce anything. They're, they're sort of just friends. They're cronies. Sure. sure. You know? I think it's a lot of paying the people that got you there, right? I mean, that's how, I mean, some of these things where the money went, I mean, give me a break. Nobody even heard of them. Yeah. I <laughs> so, what the hell, man? <laughs> so let's, let's take a look at the, the, um, the green side of Joe's infrastructure bill, right? We want to do electrification and, and help reduce carbon emissions, right? 
So he, Joe Biden wants to cut emissions in the U.S. by 50% by 2030 as part of that $180 billion electrification in the, in the infrastructure bill. But if you think about this, you know, the U.S. is really a, almost infinitesimal in terms of impact on global warming. If you look at China, they have over 1,082 coal-fired plants and this comes. This stat comes from Statista.com. It's an environmental environmental website. The U.S. has 281. And India. I'm sure, though, Dave, that the ones in China have no controls on their waste <laughs> and their sure byproducts. Yeah. Right? Like coal. Coal is not the cleanest energy, but it's come a long way if you implement right. those types of changes. Yep. And I'm positive China doesn't do any of that. No, sure. I'm sure their restrictions, their their environmental restrictions are looser, right? I mean, they they talk that they're doing all these things, but I think once you're you see what they're spewing out, it's a lot different story. Uh, another reference point: India has 252, but China's planning on building another 184 plants. So, how about this? You know, I just mentioned this a moment ago. The U.S. emissions have you know negligible effect on global climate. We are a bastion yeah. of cleanliness. Yep. I mean, I could see us as a leader. We, you know, we want to be viewed as a leader. That's all fine and good. But, you know, there's a point. There's other things you can do to be a leader. You don't necessarily have to tax Americans and waste taxpayer dollars. So if China accounts for over 50% of the total uh, global coal electricity generation, how about imposing tariffs and sanctions on China encourage them to convert to LNG or electrification? And by the way... You know, if Joe would have loosened his fracking moratoriums, we could have sold him the LNG for those file, fired plants and make money and create jobs in the U.S. That's right. We we could have accomplished uh, climate-aware goals, I'll say, as well as make money off of it. Right. We could have had we could have had the best of both worlds. Yep, and it's it's amazing that he doesn't see through that lens. It just blows me away. Well, uh, when your whole life is spent, you know worrying about intent and not the results, yeah. this is what you get. Yeah. So it's it's interesting way of viewing things. And again, I just would ask viewers, do your research. Don't take things at face value. There's a lot of information that's readily available. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about our neighbors. It's about the people we live with. It's about our country. And there are better ways of creating jobs and saving money than there are by doing some of these wasteful building up a big government again. So let's look, let's switch gears and go to the second segment of today's show. It's about uh, our, our, our love of the social, our social media and the news and, you know, mainstream news and our Hollywood and our sports at least and how they're doing such wonderful things to create unity in the world. I'm saying that facetiously. And I think a lot of you saw LeBron James, you know, April 22nd tweet, right? about the shooting uh, of a police officer, the police officer shooting a knife-wielding teen, right, as she was lunging to stab another uh, black woman. And he even posted the cop's picture and said, you're next. What an absolute piece of trash that man is. What a piece of trash. You know, why, why does he feel he needs to excite racism and protest? I mean, is he going to create more harm you know, when protesters protest, they don't protest. They're trashing businesses. They're, they're impacting people's lives. Yeah, they don't. They don't actually hurt anybody. That they, I don't. I don't want to say they should, but their their results are not 
meeting their intent. Now, what if that that girl was lunging toward his child? Exactly. Exactly. He that man saved a girl's life. Literally saved her life potentially in the nick of time. Yeah. And I, I you know what's what's interesting, I don't recall that they ever interviewed the girl that was about to get stabbed. No, they didn't. That's you know, what's up with that, right? They're the ones somebody called because they were fearful of their life. And yet the media or Maybe that family didn't want to be interviewed, but that's a tragedy because that officer saved someone's life. Potentially more than just hers, by the way. Sure. If he, if he didn't show up, that, like, I mean, you watch the video for yourself, but she was livid and definitely seen red. Right. She was ready to murk some people. Yeah. So, so how about this? Why didn't Twitter block that tweet? It's a good question. That's a good question because they block all sorts of tweets and and shut down all sorts of of content right. that incites violence. And he literally incited. He he very incited. literally incited violence. And what was the fact checking? There was well, I don't think he cared about that. Well, no, but it's tw- not about but, the but, facts. But Twitter should be fact checked. I thought they were fact checkers. Well, the fact checkers can't fact check themselves, Dave. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> and even even Biden had to chime in, right? Um, you know, just adding more fuel to the to the racism flame, right? Um, before all the facts were in. I mean, what is that a leader? He knows all about it. Is, is that a leader, though? Is that, is that what leaders do? Jim Crow Joe will do whatever he can to spin people up. Hey, hey LeBron, if you're listening, and if you heard our previous show, an idea was, you know, one child at a time, go adopt a black child virtually. Help pay for their education. Help be a role model by calling them once a week and talk about values and family values and good ideals. You can do a lot more than sending a tweet about an officer saving someone's life. The only problem with that is he's the type of guy that would instill the same bullshit uh, ideals in yeah. some kid, right? And maybe so, but, you know, LeBron, if you really have a heart out there, maybe it's a good idea to try that, buddy. Let's do the Saint Ain't Sojo segment next. It's our last segment. I love this part. I think it's the most most fun part of our show. So Say It Ain't So, Joe, is about things that Joe says or said during pre-election or even now um, that just blows me away. It's also Say It Ain't So, Joe, is also WTF, Joe. So MSNBC on April 22nd said Biden got 200 million shots into people's arms. Well, let's look at the facts. Mike, how many vaccines do you think were purchased during the Trump administration by the end of November of last year? Probably all of them. You're, pr- they probably paid the companies up front to develop them, and, and that's partially probably the reason, well, part of the reason that they gave them uh, legal immunity. Yeah, Here's the money, make the vaccine. Well, they definitely helped with that, but they, they had purchased by November of last year 800 million vaccine doses, enough for 400 million people in the U.S. if you do the two-shot thing, right? So the U.S. population is only roughly around 350 million, so it's plenty of vaccines, right, above and beyond. So, so Joe, I don't know where in the heck, you know, you, you feel like you should take credit for this. this. This stuff was done when you walked in the office day one, and it's interesting. You know, Mike, you went to college. I went to college. If you plagiarize, what happened to you? 
oh my God, are you kidding? I, I can't tell you how many times they beat into us the idea that if you plagiarize, you are gone. They take everything from you. You're out of the school. Your whole life is trash. Like they made they made us feel like garbage. We didn't even do anything. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be expelled, right? Um, you know, and here's the other thing. You know, the media makes it appear like Joe is the second coming of a Christ. So, well, I would just say, say it ain't so, Joe. You know, put put the credit where it really is due. Son of a bitch, Joe. Here, here's another one. This is very recent. Um, so, you know, Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline right here in the U.S. and put a moratorium on fracking. Well, guess what he does uh, yesterday? He approves releasing the sanctions on a Russian company that's building a gas and oil pipeline from Russia to Germany. Russia can have gas. We don't, we don't really care what the rest of the world does because their climate is different than ours. That's amazing. And Joe, I thought you were going to be tough on Putin. Oh, they're in bed, man. He loves that guy. Trump, Trump put this sanction on there. Now you're releasing him. Of that sanction, and I thought you were against fossil fuels, Joe. And you know, you you're all about global warming, blah blah blah. So why 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 is old Joe okay with Russia building a pipeline to a U.S. ally, not okay with the Keystone Pipeline? I mean, it just blows me away. Freaking Joe, man. You know, it would have been a little bit interesting again going back. You know, thinking about China, right, and sending our LNG and getting oil and gas over there. Well, we could have done the same thing with our German and European allies. I mean, we could have put American goods and services, right, get them over to, to, to European nations where we can make money, create jobs in the U.S. And, and help out our European countries. You have to want to help yourself, though. You know, like, the, like we, would have to, we would have to want to help the U.S. Yeah. in order to do that. And that's very clearly not the case here. Yeah. So say it ain't so, Joe. I mean, you're, you're, I don't know where you're going, Joe. It's just amazing that you're uh, do 180s, you know, when it's convenient for you. Going back to plagiarism real quick. Yep. Good old Joe gave a commencement speech for the Coast Guard very recently here, and he happened to tell the exact same joke that Ronald Reagan told when he was president. And when Ronald, when he said it, it was a huge, huge applause. You can there's There are videos, you can watch it. It was a big applause. It fell on everyone exactly the way he wanted it to. Joe said the exact same thing, and it was crickets. Dead. He even he even admonished the, the class and said, you're a real dull class. He even got down on the class for not laughing at a stupid joke. Didn't, um, wasn't there an episode with, um, I think, somebody in the Trump administration, I don't know if it ran the Navy or running something and he went and said something on board a ship something similar like kind of put down the navy and the guy got fired the next day i guess if you're the president of the united states it's okay to say that kind of stuff to the coast guard you can say whatever you want when you're an old senile man yeah amazing so i have one more saying ain't so joe this this episode we usually have one or two and today we have triplets because there's so much going on and this is a, a really one that's uh packs a lot of people it's about iran and, you know, it's funny, during the Trump administration, with all the sanctions, you know, Trump and the administration had Iran on the ropes, right? He really was cracking down on the monies flowing into Iran, and their economy was starting to really feel the impact of that. And now, 
Joe wants to give them more money. He wants to rejoin the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA, or commonly known as the Iran deal. You know, John Kerry, his buddy, put that one together. And you also remember that Obama and Joe gave Iran $1.7 billion in 2016. Well, in an article recently from from, um, an editorial called The Hill on May 18th stated, Iran has been designated by the State Department as the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. So why in the heck are we, you know, even talking to them? They have been funding Hamas with $30 million monthly people for intelligence on Israeli missile capabilities. Monthly? Monthly. Holy Lord. Yes. Again, according to this article in The Hill. And additionally, the Israel military has confirmed that many of the rockets being used by Hamas since their attacks began this week of Iran. This week was from Iran, Iranian origins. So here we are, you know, the money. So we're funding basically, right? We're funding a war. We're funding the Iranians, right, who are giving money to Hamas to go target our ally Israel. <laughs> we're also funding Israel. We're funding both sides. And we're funding both sides, right. Brilliant. And then, you know, by the way, you know, this, this the Iranian deal, this nuclear deal, it's a band-aid. It's not going to stop Iran from, you know, continuing to, to improve their nuclear capability. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. Um, and, you know, you know, if you think Joe's policies are making the world a safer place, you better think otherwise. So say it ain't so, Joe. What do you, WTF, baby? Fucking Joe. So that's the end of our show today. And I, before we leave, though, I want to give a shout-out to our editor-producer, Steve. He sits here patiently and does all the, the hard work behind the scenes. Mike and I just get to talk and have fun. He's all right. Yeah, he's all, he's all right. He's a good guy. And uh, thanks for listening. And if you'd like to reach out to us. Yeah, you can go ahead and, and reach us at speakyourmind at protonmail.com. That's S-P-K, your mind, at protonmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.